Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. What a weekend, wasn't it? Such great stuff happened over the weekend. The LSU Tigers, early Saturday morning, in snowy, chilly conditions, when they're having the Alabama hangover, they go into Fayetteville and they find a way, gut out a victory over the Arkansas Razor. That's something to be happy about. And then later in the day, Alabama comes back from behind to take down Ole Miss and go ahead and lock up the SEC West title for the LSU Tigers. Yay! That's something to be happy about. The Meanies Cowboys later that same afternoon go on the road to a football stadium that's connected to a CVS. That alone is a challenging atmosphere. Can you imagine? And the Cowpokes go in there and get their first road win of the season, their first Southland Conference win of the season as well. Gary Goff starting to turn things around in the chuck. Positive. The Houston Astros over the weekend. Yeah, some people were upset about click parting ways, but you know what they do? Jim Crane says, I got deep pockets. I'm going to make plays. That entire bullpen from the World Series title team, Montero, come on down. Here's a three-year deal. You're not going anywhere. What? Bullpen secured. Astros, good news. McNeese, good news. LSU, good news. Even the New Orleans Pelicans won yesterday. Bounce back win for the Pels. Good news. Dustin the Diamond Poirier wins his fight at the UFC bout in Madison Square Garden on Saturday night. Courtesy of a rear naked chokehold. Diamond put himself in contention for another championship. Belt. What? Good news, good news, good news. Good news, good news, good news. And then Sunday afternoon happened. Can we go ahead and get it out of the way now? Woof. That was Mike Ditka-esque. Not Jim Hazlitt-esque. No, no, no. Mike Ditka S performance by the New Orleans Saints. What a bad taste to put in your mouth for a great weekend of sports. 
for Southwest Louisiana and the state of Louisiana in general. Shout out to the Saints. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III. It's now eight minutes after six o'clock on this chilly, brisk Monday morning. Make sure you bundle yourself up. Do what the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, does from time to time with the hooded sweatshirt. It is undefeated when it comes to providing warmth and comfort. This is why she's extraordinary. Guess what? The intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, is here. Is he wearing a hooded sweatshirt as well? Yes, he is. Telling you undefeated. She's training him well. She's training him well. We got a lot to get to today. We're going to touch on all those things that I talked about. Dustin winning his fight. Astros free agency. McNeese foosball victory. LSU on the road victory and winning the SEC West now outright. Pels, we'll even get to them. We had two guests for you. Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio will join us. That's at 7.30. At 8.30, our buddy Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast. That's it. We only got two guests because I want to hear from you. That game hotline is wide open today. 337 706-0111 is the number. I'll say it again. 337-706-0111 is the number for you to dial. The Saints. Where do we begin with the dreadfulness? Is it the offensive line that was essentially a preseason offensive line out there? No McCoy. Other guys got banged up. There was a bunch of guys out there I didn't even know. And on top of the fact that it was a bunch of guys that no one knew out there, they didn't know how to block either. There you go. We could start with the poor job by the offensive line that is now injury riddled. We could talk about Andy Dalton making poor decisions with the football. We could start there. We talk about the play calling that consists of, once again, ignoring Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. Hey, hey, that's becoming a theme, isn't it? Or, or let's talk about that defense that was supposed to lead this team. The defense that was supposed to anchor this squad because you had a defensive coordinator promoted to head coach, and the defense was supposed to be the strength of the team. Remember? Remember when the defense was supposed to be the strength of the team? I do. I remember that. The Pittsburgh Steelers entered yesterday's game, wait for it, as one of the bottom three offenses in the NFL. Bottom three. They weren't even averaging 100 yards rushing per game. So the Saints defense, which is supposed to lead this team, which is supposed to anchor this team, right? That's what is supposed to happen. They're facing a rookie quarterback who has struggled all season. 
an offense which is one of the league's worst offenses in multiple statistical categories, including one of the worst running football teams in the league. And what did the New Orleans Saints do yesterday? What did those Saints do yesterday? They decide, hey, Kenny Pickett, hey, Pittsburgh, don't feel bad. Don't feel glum. The Saints are here. Here's an early Christmas gift to make you feel good about yourself. Because we'll pretend not to know how to tackle, and we'll let you run the football all over us again and again and again and again. Unbelievable. How poor this team plays. And we've been trying to wait for them to turn it around. And guess what, guys? It ain't happening. The ceiling for this team, maybe, maybe, is six wins. Maybe. Five wins. It's probably, this looks like a five to six win team to me at best. And they're going to be stuck with all these contracts that they can't get out of. They can't kick the can down the road anymore. And who's going to come and play for the Saints? They're going to be the one of the worst teams in the league. One of the worst teams in the league. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on a guy I haven't heard from in a minute, but I'm glad we're starting off today's show in the week hearing from him. Halftime. Good morning, brother. I hope you had a tremendous weekend, my friend. Oh, I had a good weekend. I hate to say it. Right now, being a Saints fan, I had one of my buddies laughing. It's so bad now where you got to say, well, I don't worry about the Saints as long as my son wins. And my son plays youth football. That's how bad it's gotten <laughs> to where I didn't <laughs> switch to my son's team for how they're doing and not even worried about the Saints. And one of my buddies, we was at the game. His son plays with my son, and we was at the game. We were talking about the Saints. Where was that practice? And he made a good comment that really just tore my heart. He said, it's so hard to watch now because – what makes it bad, you don't even have – you can't even take. What you do? You can't even take RP3. That, and that's what I was calling you for. What is the end game? Normally you could tank. Okay, look at Cincinnati. They play bad. Wow, they got Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow came and then smart team, they saved the day. We don't have anybody to save the day. You said it. There's nothing contracts that they're stuck with, and you can't even get a top draft pick. And what makes it even worse, and I swear, I hope this happens. I hope Philly wins. The Super Bowl off a uh, 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 Chauncey Garner interception. That's what I hope. A lot of people was like, "Well, you know, I understand what people say as far as the position and the money he wants." But to me, it's the energy that he brought the defense. I feel he gave the the, the defense a good energy. It's a good point. And, me, I th- and I think the locker room got messed up when that happened because a lot of guys got hurt. And it went from being a family and by Sean Payton not being there anymore because Sean Payton used to keep it together. By Sean Payton not being there anymore, I think it went from this family atmosphere to more, okay, it's a business now. Now when it turns to always oh, a business, now you got everybody in, with, their self, with their own motive. I think that's what has happened to the Saints. That's just my take. And Saints fans, just, if, you, if you're an old school Saints fan like me, just 
go back to how it was before. That's all, that's all I can say. <laughs> pick, you, pick, pick you another team for the playoffs. That's all I can say. Oh. All right, RPP, you have a good one, man. You too, brother. <laughs> Enjoy your day, man. Look, they have some nice young players. Chris Olave is 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 a dog, right? They got themselves a young wide receiver for years to come. Pittsburgh went after Alante Taylor, the rookie out of Tennessee. He did not have a good game yesterday. But he has potential. Once again, you have to coach him up. He had some bad penalties in last in yesterday's game. And, and, and once again, offensive line was a late preseason game offensive line. Andy Dalton made poor decisions. The defense was terrible. And what, they had nine, ten penalties in this game? They do all the things bad teams do. They do all the things bad teams do. That makes them a bad team. That makes them a bad team. Uh, You can keep rationalizing, well, you know, the division. No, 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 no. Tampa's going to win the division. Now, Tampa may win that division as an eight-win or nine-win team, but they're going to win the division. And Saints are headed to the dump. Inexplicably, they're a favorite, betting early betting line favorite, by the way, Sunday against the Rams, which inexplicable to me how that happened. I mean, the Rams are garbage. And Cooper Cup may have an injury, but and Stafford looks terrible. But where's this team going? Like, if you're the Saints, where's this team going? You got all these guys under contract. Okay. Got Ramchek under contract, McCoy under contract, Alvin Kamara. You just drafted Chris Olave. You just drafted, drafted Trevor Penning, who may play this year after all. You spent a first-round pick on Peyton Turner a year ago. He's yet to really flourish except for the two sacks he had against the Raiders. It's the only game he showed up in in two years because he's been injured. Marcus Davenport's about to be a free agent, but he hasn't really done anything anyway. Yeah, Lattimore under contract. So they have guys under contract. And everyone clamoring for Jameis Winston being the starting quarterback. Okay, is Jameis Winston going to play defense? No. Does Jameis give them a better opportunity to win? Does he have more potential? Sure. And Andy Dalton's become a turnover machine himself. So, might as well go with Jameis. It's not as if Andy Dalton's not turning over the ball constantly. But Jameis Winston's not going to play defense. Like, you got to score more points than they did yesterday. Make no bones about that. Offense looked terrible. Absolutely. Those are all accurate. Need to score more than 10 points. And Andy Dalton, you need more production out of quarterback. 
17 of 27 for 174 yards, two interceptions, sacked twice. QBR, a tremendous 23.9. That's lower than the Rooks. Kenny Pickett didn't even throw for 200 yards. They sacked him six times. Had a QBR of 45. But you know what? They got after him. Good pass rush by the Saints. Hey, there you go. There's a positive. They gave up 217 yards on the ground. Pittsburgh, who was averaging less than 100 yards per game entering this contest, averaged five yards a pop. Now, I was told there'd be no math. And I know math sometimes hurts people. Obviously, it hurt Coach McCarthy yesterday in that Dallas game. We'll get to your team, Moses, not to worry. And that head coach of yours, outstanding. Not so much. Not so much. If you're averaging five yards a pop on the ground, how many yards you need to get a first down again on average? It's 10 yards, right? Okay. So that means you only got to run the ball twice back-to-back to get a first down. That's not winning football. It's winning football for Pittsburgh, not winning football if you're New Orleans. Oh, and let's look at the workload that they gave Taysom Hill yesterday. Let's just go ahead and look at that, see if it improved, shall we? He threw the ball once. Hmm. Threw the ball once. I'm going to give you a, a sneak peek. Neither Taysom nor Alvin Kamara got the workload that they were supposed to. Alvin carried the ball eight times. Eight! Eight! <laughs> this team, this team and how it prepares and the way it does, it conducts itself is special. Oh, we got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk more about the dreadfulness that is the New Orleans Saints. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know they can also play the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. 
That's right. You can listen to the game on your smart speakers by simply asking Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. New Orleans Saints. 20-10 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Awful. Just an awful game. Offense couldn't do anything. Andy Dalton continues being a turnover machine. They continue ignoring Taysom Hill. He had one pass yesterday, three carries. Would you like to know how many passes were thrown Taysom Hill's way? Ha! Get the girl a prize from the top row. Zero. Zero. Sorry, the prize has already been given to the girl, Moses. Sorry. You were a little late there. Nothing. Nothing for Taysom Hill. You just don't get it. More than 200 yards rushing on the ground for a team that has struggled all season long to run the football effectively. Defense, awful. Offense, awful. Play calling, awful. Coaching, awful. There you go. This team stinks. They stink and they're awful. They stink and they're awful. Dennis Allen spoke to the media afterwards. In particular, he was asked, did he expect to struggle to run the football? Because once again, they ran the football. The Saints did. Wait for it. For a total of 29 yards. 29 yards is what the Saints did on the ground in this ball game. 15 carries for 29 yards. That's a robust 1.9 yards a carry. <laughs> Not good. This is what Dennis Allen had to say. Uh, no, look, I, we knew they were a good you know, run defense. Um and we knew that they were going to have some juice coming back with, you know, with having TJ back out there. So, uh, but look, we, we, we felt like we would be able to run the balls better than we did. We knew it would be tough, but we felt like we could run it better than we did. The man loves giving some of the most bland answers. Well, you know, we knew that there were going to be a good run defense. It was going to be a challenge. Uh, but, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm not even a Saints fan, and I kind of want to punch Dennis Allen when he when he talks about g- games. Just, just like, really, dude? Really? What are you doing? How about those penalties? Tons of penalties again yesterday. Some of them, bad calls, as always. But the majority of them were the Saints being undisciplined and sloppy, And this is what the man in charge of the Saints had to say about his team being penalized a bunch yet again. And look, I'll I'll, I'll go back and look at all of them. Um, You know, I know some of them certainly look legitimate. Uh, So we'll have to go back and look at it. But, you know, I mean, I think think we had 10. I think they had three or four, you know. So and and, and some of those that we had specifically on defense, um, you know, kept drives alive. Um, gave him first downs. So, yeah, it's disappointing. That's an understatement, isn't it? Well, that's, 
Well, that's disappointing. That's uh, that's not going our way. That's di- that's dis- that's disappointing. You think? You think your defense, which is supposed to be the strength of this team, continuing drives for the opposition because of sloppiness with bad tackling, bad assignments, and bad penalties? You think that's disappointing? All right. Woof. They lose yet again. And Andy Dalton, God bless him, they trot him out there to talk to the media. And the Red Rifle just does his best. Just like he's doing his best out there. Guy on the back end of his career had been a backup in multiple places, was supposed to be a backup here. He's out there starting multiple games. Not a winning formula. Having Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback at this point of his career, not exactly a winning formula. Guy's been a backup, Dallas, Chicago. Okay, He's a backup quarterback now. He's good in a spot or two, but the whole season, no. No. You know, he just can't do it that way. And to be fair, they played yesterday without three starting offensive linemen. Once again, I mentioned the offensive line was like a preseason game. And Dalton spoke about playing behind an offensive line with three new starters. Yeah, I think that's a a big a, a big thing when you got. Uh, Starting linemen out, guys that have played a ton of ball, and now you've got new guys thrown in there. It's um, something that we still got to find a way to execute and, and, and make it work. If you close your eyes, is it just me or does Dennis Allen and Andy Dalton kind of sound like the same person? Just going to throw it out there. <laughs> the same just defeated manner of how they speak. Uh, offensive line was, um, uh, yes. It's not good. You've got to find a way. You've got to find a way to win. It's disappointing. (laughs) Oh, and Dalton was asked after the team lost yet again, how can this team respond after all these losses? We have the right people in this locker room. We've got the right people on this team and in this organization. And the only way we can do is we got to stick together and understand what we have to do everybody needs to look at themselves and say what can I do better and if we do that you know we'll we'll get this thing turned around I love the red rifles optimism about turning things around three and seven the old red rifle believes that they can turn things around good for him good for him thinking that way I don't believe it you don't believe it no one in their right mind should believe it yet here we are Saints lose yet again three and seven sure does look like five six wins may be the ceiling for this team Oh, and guess what? They get to go play Cleveland with Deshaun Watson back in the fold. They get to go play Philadelphia in Philly. That's still on the schedule. Get excited, Saints fan. We got to take a timeout. 
When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll shift gears to college LSU. It wasn't pretty. It was ugly. But they got the job done. We'll talk about the Tigers going on the road and winning in Fayetteville. That's coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, not to worry, Saints fans. Your season seemingly is seemingly lost now, and there's plenty to be upset about. But you know what? You don't have to worry about that. Don't focus on that. You can make yourself feel better, make your heart be filled with joy by listening to all your favorite Christmas classics or your local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop. Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com. That's lachristmaschannel.com. Or download the free mobile app on both your Apple or Android devices. That way you can listen to your holiday cheer all the time, 24-7, wherever you may go. On your mobile app, online, on your Amazon Alexa, it does not matter. The Louisiana Christmas Channel is there for you. I'm talking to you, Saints fans. You need some cheer in your life today. While the Saints may be, well, dreadful, you know who isn't? The LSU Tigers. It wasn't pretty. On Saturday, we kind of expected this to be a challenging game, right? Alabama hangover morning kick on the road where conditions were a comfortable balmy 36 38 degrees at kickoff (laughs) not exactly a recipe for success but LSU found a way they found a way Josh Williams he has been an absolute gift for this team former walk-on who has come up big game after game for Brian Kelly this season. Probably need to get him the ball a little bit more. Feed him the rock. And that's what they did on Saturday. But Harold Perkins Jr. What? This guy as a freshman, young man out of Texas. Shout out to Texas. Talking about you, Moses. Harold Perkins Jr., is the best player on LSU's football team. And he's a freshman. The best player already. It's been a long time since you've seen a guy at LSU play the linebacker spot like him. He's going to be better than Devin White. He's going to be better than Brady James. And those are two guys that were All-Americans and playing in the NFL. Absolutely phenomenal. He forced two fumbles in Saturday's game, got after the quarterback, 
pressured, went sideline to sideline. You got to get 40 on the field as much as possible. Brian Kelly and his staff have figured that out. And rightfully so, because he helped win them the game. Wingo had a great game across the defensive line as well. They got out a win over Arkansas. Once again, not pretty, but it doesn't matter for LSU because they had to win in the morning and then needed Alabama to beat Ole Miss late. And Bama rallied to beat Ole Miss late, which means it's already done. Your SEC West champs are the LSU Tigers, which means they are now set to go to Atlanta for the SEC championship game where they'll take on Georgia. Brian Kelly spoke about a lot of things afterwards, in particular how the team is still growing and how they were able to find a way to get a hard-fought win up in Fayetteville on Saturday. Oh, yeah, but it's – it's look, you still have to find ways to make plays and, and, and win these games at the end. Um, and, look, we're – we're far from a finished product. Uh, I don't think anybody's in there uh, feeling like, you know, we've arrived. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, but during this journey, uh, we're still finding ways to win football games. And, and I think I said this from the very beginning. Uh, the goal uh, that coming into this year uh, was to be better in November um, and to play hard and to teach this team how to win. Uh, th- those were really, if you go back to my very first press conference, those, those were the tenets that, that I wanted to instill in this team. And, and those are there. They, they know how to win football games. And that's a great trait to have. Um, they, they believe they're going to win, and they find a way to win. And this is a, a perfect example of that. 13-10 to 10 win. On the road, frigid conditions. Hung over from the Alabama win, early kick. Jane Daniels had an awful game. There's no other way to say it. Young man was not good. 8 of 15 for 86 yards. Yes, 86 yards passing. In a 2022 college football game where you're not a service academy. Had the pick, QBR of 9.7. But they found other ways to win. They ran the ball for nearly 200 yards on the ground. Josh Williams, 122 yards, averaging 6.4 yards a pop. He carried the ball 19 times. Arkansas had no answer for that young man. He got the lone touchdown in this ballgame for LSU, right? Passing, nothing. Harold Perkins, Jr., was something else. Eight tackles, four sacks, four tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles. He was an absolute menace towards Arkansas. Razorbacks are going to be having nightmares about that young man all season, all offseason. And Kelly talked about just how special of a player Perkins is. But eight tackles, four sacks, two forced fumbles um, all over the field impacted the game, obviously, to the level where, you know, we win the game because of his final play, too. Um, Multi-dimensional player. Um, Makes a great play in pass coverage. 
getting under, um, you know, a throw late in the game. Just I don't think there's enough superlatives to talk about this young man as a true freshman um, coming into his own. You can imagine he was he was awarded the game ball, but um, he's uh, <clears throat> he got sick before the game. I threw up and uh, as we were going into our team meal uh, team meeting, and uh, you know I said, hey, you know MJ threw up when he had his greatest game, and he said, who's MJ? <laughs> I was like, man, I am getting so old, but uh, yeah, he's pretty special. Brian Kelly making the dad joke. He's not good at making jokes. But you know what he's good at? Coaching. This is what I told all of you. Les Miles would speak in incomplete sentences, would confuse holidays, wear a hat that was too small for his head, and eat grass on the sidelines. And that man led LSU to two national championship games and won one. Ed Orgeron crushed Red Bull cans on his forehead and screamed, hold that tiger at his players. He won a national title. Brian Kelly is a coach, a good coach. He's won everywhere he's been. Every level he's been at, he's won. Division two, national championships. Comes up, gets the call up, takes Cincinnati to a BCS Bowl. Pretty good. One at Central Michigan, too. One at Notre Dame, a bunch. Winning his coach in Notre Dame history. And the perception of Brian Kelly is, well, look what they did against SEC competition. Look how they got curb stomped by Alabama. Look how they always got just mowed down by SEC competition. You're right. They did. You know why? Because the best players in the country are in the SEC. The best rosters in college football are in the SEC. Period. The only team that can usually com- co- can compete with the SEC is Ohio State because they recruit and they build their roster like SEC teams do. They come down south to get guys. Now you take Brian Kelly from a place where you couldn't get SEC talent because of academic restrictions, and you put him in a place where you dominate the state in recruiting, it's yours. You don't have any competition. That's not a offensive thing to say to the other schools in the state. The shadow from Baton Rouge leans large across the entire state. It's not like Texas A&M and Texas that battle each other and also have to deal with TCU. It's not Mississippi that has to deal with Ole Miss and Mississippi State or Alabama, Auburn, or Georgia, Georgia Tech, or Florida with Florida State and Miami. They don't have this issue here. You can get the best athletes in the entire state to automatically come to your school. You can go poach kids out of Houston, which is a great recruiting base for LSU, always has been. And you can go and get other guys. Brian Kelly can coach, and now he's not handcuffed by Notre Dame. Guy can coach. And the Tigers are now 8-2. and two. They're going to Atlanta. No matter what happens in these next two games, they've clinched their spot in the SEC championship game, which means in year one, after taking over a program with 39 scholarship players, he has LSU playing for a conference championship. Oh, and they'll move up in the college football playoff rankings yet again because of what happened over the weekend. I think he's doing a pretty good job. 
Just saying. Oh, and by the way, Harold Perkins Jr. was his recruit. Just like to point that out. The best guy on the field, the best guy on the team, is not a guy Brian Kelly inherited. It's a guy that he recruited and signed. Just want to add that to. Got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company on this chilly November 14th morning, we'll unveil our poll question of the day and wrap up our number one. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. We talked about the good, didn't we? Talked about a lot of good things that happened this weekend. LSU, McNeese, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, the Pelicans. So much good happened over the weekend. And then the Saints happened. That leads us to our poll question of the day. What are the Saints? We just want to simply ask you, what are the Saints? Are they awful? Are they awfully awful? Are they a woof? Are they Ditka bad? Those are your options. We want to hear from you about the New Orleans Saints. What are they this season right now? Are they just awful? Are they awfully awful? Are they woof? Are they Ditka bad? Right now, leading the vote, 42% of you say Ditka bad. 29% say woof. 24% say awfully awful. And only 5% say they're awful. See, there's no positive in this one sorry we're we're not going that way anymore with the saints todd on twitter says is there a worse than ditka bad option at this point you're what your record says you are in the saints case that's worse than ditka bad in Allen's case they're so bad even jesus can't save his career record yeah he's not it's not it's not going well Steve on Twitter says the Saints are so bad that instead of watching them, I would rather listen to three hours of Martin from Erath hosting RP3 and company. <laughs> Saltiness already this morning. It's only hour one, Steven. John Paul Cajun Daddy says they are by far Ditka bad. The big difference is that Ditka removed all the talented players from the team over his three years. This team has talent. It's just not being utilized like it should. Yeah, the no, no Taysom Hill. I just don't understand. Ralph says, maybe worse I've seen with the bag days, Billy Joe years, et cetera. There's no exceptions. Fans knew they were bad. This was supposed to be a talented roster and seamlessly coaching transition. Welcome to the nightmare before Christmas. And Brian Thibodeau says, all of the above. We got to take a timeout. That's going to do it for our number one here of RP3 and company. Our number two coming up right here. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
What a weekend it was. What a weekend it was. LSU gets the hard-fought victory in snowy, cold conditions up in Fayetteville where Jaden Daniels is not having a good game. Offensive line struggled to protect, yet they found a way with Josh Williams on the ground. Monster game for him. And Harold Perkins Jr., who has quickly turned into the best player on LSU's football team. They win 13-10. Later in the day, Alabama beats Ole Miss, which means LSU is your SEC West Division champs. They're going to Atlanta to take on Georgia in the SEC championship game in December. Year one of the Brian Kelly era. Our friends over in Lake Chuck, the McNeese Cowboys got themselves a win. Their first road win of the season. Their second win in a row as they were able to beat Houston Christian, formerly known as Houston Baptist. So good for LSU. Good for the Meanies Cowboys. Later Saturday night, guess what? Good for Lafayette's very own Dustin the Diamond Poirier winning his UFC bout, choking out Michael Chandler, setting himself up for a possible title bout next year in 2023. Oh, and the Astros... Lock up their entire bullpen now for coming back for 2023 as Montero gets brought back on a three-year deal. Good news, good news, good news, good news, good news. And then Sunday comes and you see Justin Jefferson, former LSU Tiger, balling out of control. We need to start having a conversation of him being the best wide receiver in the NFL, by the way. Because I feel like he is. And what he was able to do against Buffalo. By the way, the Vikings beat a really good team yesterday. Can we start considering the Vikings being one of the best teams in the NFL? They only have one loss. And they just beat the Bills. Because they have Justin freaking Jefferson on their team. Guy is guy's the best wide receiver in the league. Lots of good. And then the Saints came and decided to attempt to play a football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Three starters missing across the offensive line. Andy Dalton made poor decisions. They didn't get the ball to Taysom Hill yet again. They didn't get the ball to Alvin Kamara yet again. The defense got itself embarrassed by its performance. Great pass rush. That's awesome. Still gave up 200 yards on the ground as they fall now to 3-7 and seven on the season. That leads us to, of course, our poll question of the day, which isn't good. What are the Saints? Are they awful? Are they awfully awful? Are they woof? Are they Ditka bad? Right now, 36% of you say Ditka bad. <laughs> oh, and don't forget that the weekend actually started off so well back on Thursday for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns who got a hard-fought win over Georgia Southern to keep their bowl chances alive. We had teams from Acadiana. Many of them get buys. Others were able to win their games on Friday, move on. But then came the Saints the wolf New Orleans Saints. 
Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Jamie, also known as Mr. Green. He's waiting for us. Good morning, sir. How are you, bud? Good morning, Mr. Third. I'm doing pretty good. I'm surprised you haven't had to uh, put your counselor hat on more this morning. I guess it's still early, though. My my counselor hat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, you know, talking people off the ledge with the Saints. I think I think the 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 Saints contingent is, is starting to accept the fact that their team is dreadful, and I think it's been oh, building man. for a couple weeks now. Now it's just a harsh reality, bud. Yeah, I got to say you're right. And uh, before I get into my, my comment on the poll question of the day, I just have to, to bring up, you were talking about Justin Jefferson. And, man, can you imagine, like, how much – like, he's amazing. He's doing a great job. Can you imagine how much more amazing he would be if he had an actual good quarterback? I mean, not to take away from Kirk Cousins because the Vikings are killing it this year, but, I mean, honestly, he's been pedestrian at best. It hasn't been because of him that they've been winning games, at least not that I've seen. This is the I, I texted a couple of friends of mine yesterday about that, and I said Jefferson is better than Chase, and we we've had this discussion before the 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 couple of us, and, and my argument is look, you could argue Jefferson and Chase are two of the top three wide receivers in the NFL. I think the other one is Stephon Dix, so you could argue that two LSU guys from the same team are there. My my whole contention is is that. I give the edge to Jefferson because I believe he's a better route runner. But also, Jefferson is doing this with Kirk freaking Cousins as his quarterback, not Joe Burrow. He is rewriting the record books and dominating defenses with Kirk Cousins throwing him the football and not Joey B. That's why I give the advantage to Jefferson because he's having to do more with less. I definitely can't argue that point. I agree with you 100%. And uh, for the poll question of the day, uh, let me put it this way. This team reminds me a lot of the creamsicle and white days of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, man. They are not good. They are just god-awful. And, uh, look, Saints fans, take it from a a Buccaneers fan who has gone through the ringer and and, and repeat after me. There's always next season. There's always next season. Hopefully, Dennis Allen won't be there next season. Well, we'll see about that because that's going to be interesting too. It's going to be interesting to see what the Saints have to do there because if they just go completely into the toilet and only win five or six games, the Bensons have never fired somebody after one season. Would they do this? That's a big question mark for me. And, 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 don't forget, they don't have any uh, – well, they might trade for but they don't have any first-round picks either. Trade them away. They're hoping to get a first-round so, pick uh, when, when, when Sean Payton decides to go coach the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope, I suppose. I saw I saw uh, Twitter, somebody tweeted, uh, hey, Gail, do whatever it takes to get Sean back. And I'm going, I think it's a bit late for that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Sean's ready to move somewhere else. So, anyway, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and a tremendous week, and we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you for the phone call, Jamie. Yeah, would they make a move? It's not in their history to do so. It's not in Mickey Loomis's past to conduct himself that way. 
to have the front office conduct themselves that way. That's not what the Bensons are about. I, I hate to say it, Saints fan, but you may be stuck with Dennis Allen for at least one more year. Oof. <laughs> that's not good. Oh, man, that's not good. I, I would be stunned. Not because he wouldn't deserve to get the pink slip. Not that. It's just it's, it's just not how they operate. So the Saints themselves, Mickey Loomis, longtime general manager, and the and Gail Benson, longtime owner as herself, and then of course, obviously with her husband Tom, they don't go out there and fire people after one season. It's just it's not what they do. Would they change that? If things go so sideways here, or do they view it differently? You know, they're stuck with the salaries they're stuck with. They've been kicking the can down the road with eating salary. Do they, does this give them the opportunity to say, you know what, we're not doing a rebuild. You know, we're not going to try to reload here like they did this year. We're going to do a full-on rebuild. We're going to eat some salary. We're going to trade away some guys get a bunch of picks, and start over from scratch. And we have a couple pieces like Trevor Penning and Chris Olave. And we got, you know, Alante Taylor. We have young guys that we really like, and we're just going to build around them. And we're going to part ways with others. Like part ways with Andres Pete. Maybe, you know, part ways with Michael Thomas, even though you'd have to eat the contract. I don't know. If things go sideways, I could see a big overhaul by the Saints. And maybe they view it as, hey, we're not going to fire Dennis Allen because we're going to be bad again this next year. We'll just wait to get a good coach after that. Like, we'll go and concede that we're going to have a couple of bad years here because we're going to have to build this thing up once again. Because they've been kicking the can down the road with doing a full rebuild. Been doing that for 15 years because they had a contending team. They believed. Now they have the worst record. The worst record since 2005. And that year they dealt with Hurricane Katrina. Think about that. The worst season the Saints are having since the year that they were vagabonds and couldn't even be in New Orleans because of one of the worst and most devastating natural disasters in U.S. history. That's how bad this New Orleans Saints team is. They're as bad as that team was. Think about that for a second. And there's no hurricane. They're just bad. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on the vice chancellor of Erath, Louisiana. Martin is on the line. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? First of all, I want to say congratulations to my alma mater, the E-Rap Bobcats, for showing who's the real Bobcat in Louisiana, and that's the E-Rap Hard Bobcat. Oh, it's a so good win, that bud. Mistaken. That's a good What's win, brother. Again? Come again? I, I, I was just talking, bud. I was just talking to you. Go ahead. Also, I want to shout out to my brother-in-law for... Acadiana High's uh, win Friday night. So, congrats to the both of them. Now, I heard that Saucy Steve was saying that if I was hosting, 
RB3 and company would be dreadful. Well, yeah, it might be dreadful, but it still wouldn't be nowhere as dreadful as the New York Yankees showing in the 2022 postseason. I mean, that was just a wasted spot. Might as well put in the, the Cincinnati Reds in their spot with that showing they did. But uh, but anyway, uh, they still got Aaron Boone as their skipper, so... Don't uh, all them Yankees fans out there don't be holding your breath for next season or the next few seasons. But uh, that's pretty much all I had to say, buddy. Oh, and another thing, I know Manny's listening right now. What I want him to do is uh, go to the uh, zoo of Acadian and hold, and hug the nearest elephant that he can find. And I'm waiting for his thank you card in the mail for my Todd sending his LSU Tigers to the SEC championship this weekend. I appreciate it, buddy. And roll tie. Thank you, Martin. <laughs> oh, Martin. Vice Chancellor of ERAF. I gave him that name. He likes it. We're going to roll with it. <laughs> oh, man. The Saints are just bad. They're just bad. Once again, think about this. This is the worst start to a season for the Saints since the Katrina year. So could Gail Benson and Mickey Loomis actually make a decision to get rid of Dennis Allen after one season? What if they what if they only win 6 games? What if they go 6 and 11? And I think that's optimistic, by the way. What if they're 5 and 12, 6 and 11? Oh, and by the way, you don't have your first round draft pick. Philadelphia does. The only undefeated team in the NFL. What do you do? What can you do? Oh, man. It's not good for the Saints. Poll question of the day What are the Saints? 39% of you say they are Ditka bad. 29% say awfully awful. 24% say woof. And 8% say just awful. Some optimism going on out there. JPK the OD says shares a gift from the, the Princess Bride. Mostly dead is slightly alive. Brad on Twitter says... They're Buzz's girlfriend bad. Woof. I'm here for the Home Alone references. One of my favorite Christmas movies, by the way. Houdat Forever says, there's no way they give Allen another season. He clearly has no idea how to prepare a football team to play a game. Clean house on the coaching staff and make Hartley the new GM. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. That's all you got to do. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to talk more about the NFL. Just wasn't all Saints woes over the weekend. Some interesting things happened involving those Vikings, Colts, and more. That's all coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. 
This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, if you're looking for great stocking stuffers for this holiday season, guess what? Look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. All of those are inside the clubhouse. All of those would make great stocking stuffers, but you can only score these by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Come in. It's not too early to get your stocking stuffers done. Just saying. Better to be thorough. Better to be early when it comes to gift giving. Hint, hint, Hannah. Better to be early with your gift giving than wait to the last minute. Just saying. Just saying. Think about it. <laughs> She's giving me the look. How was your weekend? Enough about me. How was your weekend? Oh, never mind. We're moving on. Since it took you too long to uh, actually. You know what? <laughs> Go go ahead and put it's it off the bingo. The go ahead go and mark it off the bingo card. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I had a great weekend. I got to see Wakanda forever nice. on my birthday. Nice. Um, Had the sad things on Friday. We're not going to talk about that. Um, Stayed at my mom's house that night, actually. Got to watch Enola Holmes with my mom and her fiancé and Kenneth. Was it Enola Holmes 2? No, it was the first one. Kenneth didn't watch the first one yet, oh. so we had to watch that one. Okay. Felt it the first time. Okay. So we watched the first one. Saturday we had Showcase, which is her marching band, people that don't know, that Ray made fun of me about, because my soon-to-be brother is on the drum line for Hanville, so we had to Did watch Did you say them. your soon-to-be brother? Well, yeah. I'm confused. Call- it's my mom's fiance's son. Ah, oh, got it. Okay. So right. soon-to-be brother. Got it. All right. So go. I got to watch him, and my uh, my Grammy gave me my late grandfather's camera, so I took a picture with my camera for that, so that was fun to do. Um, and then Sunday, we just sat at the house, and I made wax melt molds with the candles that I don't want to use. as my don't have candles anymore. So I have, like, a bunch of them, little snowmen and penguins. <laughs> you really know <laughs> how to live it up and enjoy a weekend. I do. I mean, <laughs> you did what on Sunday? So I, can, Kenneth said, I can't get any more candles until I've gotten rid of three. If I get rid of three, I get to get a new one. And, of course, it's Christmas season for Bath and Body Works right now. So, like, they have all the new Christmas scents and all the new candles. So I want one of them. He said no. Time out. So, Time out. There's, yes. There's new Christmas scents? Yes. So... Aren't they just the same sense as they always make for every Christmas? No. Oh. 
The different names and everything. Oh, different names. I'm sure. I'm sure it's yes. not. I'm sure it's not the same smell from two years earlier that they're just repackaging under a new name. But no, continue. Obviously not. Oh, obviously so, they would never do that. <laughs> my nana gave me um, these little like from Dollar Tree little silicone molds. So they're like little penguins with Christmas hats and their trees and there's crosses and stuff. So I took the candles and I melted them down and then I put them into the little molds. So now I have a bunch of little like Christmas trees and angels and stuff like that in my so, house. So let me see if I understand this properly. Yes. I'm just wrapping my brain around it. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Moses for talking in the background. <laughs> uh, and no one could hear hear him. Um, so your fiance. Uh-huh said that you're not allowed to get more candles for the holiday season until you get rid of three candles. Yes, but I did that. At, at, time out, time out. I, I, I'm, <laughs> so you then decide to say, okay, Mr. Big Stuff, I'm going to take these leftover candles you want me to get rid of, and instead of throwing them in the trash or disposing of them, you decided to multiply as if the candles... <laughs> had more candles, and that was your go-to? <laughs> yeah, I made wax melts. Since I have, couldn't have any more wax melts. Okay. So, I'm a- boom. You do know now you're not getting any more candles. <laughs> He's not listening. You know I've I'm already going- done this argument with him already. I've already said, you said the candles. Like, yeah, I didn't tell about the glass of the candle had to go in the trash, like, but I made more room. Now they all go in this little drawer with the rest of my wax melts. All right, that's enough for me. I'm glad you had a tremendous weekend and you found a loophole with your fiance about making more candles. Using the brain, the noggin. That's what we're going to call it. (laughs) That's what we're going to call what you did. Let's talk a little NFL, and I promise it won't be about the New Orleans Saints. Vikings-Bills, that may have been the best game of the weekend. Vikings win it. 33-30 33-30 to 30 in overtime. They improved to 8-1 and one on the season. Bills drop another one. They fall to 6-3 and three on the year. Kirk Cousins had one of those games, which makes you believe he's a very good quarterback. 30 of 50 for 357 and a touchdown. Dalvin Cook, over 100 yards rushing. What happened to Buffalo's defense? But the story in this game was Justin Jefferson. 10 catches, 193 yards, career high had the touchdown, and had two catches that set up this win for the team. One of the most ridiculous catches you will see, and I I contend, I believe Justin Jefferson has ascended to being the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think you can say Jamar Chase is going to be in that conversation as one of the top three guys. Stephon Diggs is still there, but Jefferson is an excellent route runner. He catches everything thrown his way. Doesn't matter if you're double or single covering him. Chase has more break off the top speed, right? He can take the top off of a defense more so than Jefferson. But Jefferson just catches everything thrown his way. It's ridiculous. Vikings win, and we're going to have to start talking about Minnesota being one of the best teams in the NFL. A lot of people pointed to their schedule, early season schedule. Who have they played? Who have they beaten? Well, they went on the road to Orchard Park, New York, and took out a team many people have slotted to be in the Super Bowl. I think that shows you just how good Minnesota is. And by the way, they just changed coaches. 
they have pretty much the same roster with the exception of adding Patrick Peterson, who has revitalized his career in Minnesota. He got himself another interception on Sunday, the former LSU Tiger. Lions-Bears, two bad teams battling it out. Lions win that one 31-30. Justin Fields puts on a show. Is he the new Lamar Jackson? Was asked that in a group text yesterday. I don't know. Five games is a small sample size. But the Bears are finally utilizing Fields' legs. And looks really good. And he looks like a different quarterback. The Denver Broncos, Jerry Judy gets out of this game with an apparent leg injury. Russell Wilson, 286 yards passing, 21 of 42. But hey, Denver, let's ride. They lose 17 to 10. Broncos are three and six and look absolutely lost. This was a team that I, uh, I was told was just missing a quarterback and they added him and they got worse. Maybe that roster wasn't as good as everyone thought it was. Watch out for the Dolphins. They won again. Now that Tua's back, it's making all the difference in the world. He had three touchdown passes yesterday. They beat the Browns 39-17. to And no one is talking about Miami, which is a weird thing, because after Tua's concussion, they lost a few games and the focus was turned to Kansas City or Buffalo or whoever else it may be. The Dolphins are 7-3. and three. Pay attention to the Dolphins. I like how that roster is built. The Cowboys found a way to lose because they have a head coach that found a way to lose the game. Also, the defense, which has been the strength of this team this season, faltered in this ballgame. They lose to the Packers in overtime 31-28. You know, Dallas, you had one job just to go ahead and put the nail in the coffin in Green Bay season, just get it over with. But instead, now you're going to give the Packers hope and Aaron Rodgers hope. Yet You had one job, Dallas. That's it. One job. Go on the road and beat a vulnerable and bad Green Bay team, and yet the Cowboys found a way to Cowboy. That's the best way to describe that. Hey, Dallas, Green Bay's vulnerable. You can go into their house and beat them up. And what does Dallas do? They're like, no, man, don't worry about that, bro. We're going to find a way to lose the game. (laughs) Only Dallas. Only the Cowboys would do this. But the big shocker of the weekend, of course, was Colts Raiders. Jeff Saturday gets named interim coach during the week. During the week, had never coached in the college of pro ranks. They just hired him off the street. He makes a change. He says, Matt Ryan's my guy at quarterback. And the Colts go into Las Vegas and win 25-20. to Is Josh McDaniels going to survive the week? Oh, man, they're terrible. The Raiders are just awful. Awful. You know who's not awful? LSU Tigers, SEC West Division champs. We'll talk more about that with Jeff Palermo, the host of Tiger Rag Radio. He joins us live next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. 
RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It was a good weekend. You heard producer extraordinaire Miss Hannah Five Names talk about her weekend. Mainly, she was able to find a workaround from her fiancé telling her to get rid of candles before she gets any more for Christmas. So she takes the old candles and then makes dozens of more smaller candles using the old noggin. It was a good weekend for yours truly. We had a friend's wedding to go to, which was beautiful to see on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, we had our charitable event at our church in downtown Lafayette where we fed the homeless. And my wife decided to, once again to do her necessity bags where we put like little toiletries and things like that in there. And we also gave away shirts, courtesy of Delta Media, by the way. Shout out to them for helping us out with that. So it was a great event. Hattie was there. She helped hand out socks and stuff as well. And the daughter also decided to help pick up trash in the parking lot. Didn't even have to be asked to do so because she's all about uh, not littering and fussing at people who do. So it was a good weekend all around. It was also a good weekend for the LSU football team as they got a hard-fought win on the road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. To recap it for us is the man who co-hosts Tiger Rag Radio. He's also the news and sports director for the Louisiana Radio Network. He's also known in some parts as a fabulous dancer. Jeff Palermo joins us now. Jeff, good morning to you, bud. How are you? Everything you said there except the last is accurate. <laughs> I don't think anybody has ever used the term, boy, you're a fabulous dancer, Jeff. The next time. That's a, that's a sentence that has never been said uh, to me anyways. The next time I see you, I will make sure to boldly state it in front of a room of people, not to worry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so look, let's go back. We knew it was going to be a bit of a hangover game. Early kick, on the road, uh, sub-40 degree conditions. It wasn't a pretty game, but the Tigers were able to win the ball game because of defense and running the football. They find a way to edge out Arkansas, and at the end of the day, they win the SEC West. What's your biggest takeaway from what you saw from Brian Kelly's team up in Arkansas? That they found a way to win, and Harold Perkins is unbelievable. I mean, he is having about as big of a freshman season on defense since Tyron Matthew. I mean, he, he's yeah. in that kind of, you know, that same type of uh, thinking. You know, Tyron came out of nowhere and was just an outstanding player. I guess the big difference is, you know, Tyron was a, uh, a three-star prospect, and Perkins is a five-star prospect. And and what a big get on National Signing Day last year. Remember, that one went right down to the wire. I mean, think he didn't sign until the afternoon, if I recall correctly. And he was considered a Texas A&M guy. And then, you know, there at the last second, Brian Kelly's staff able to get him. 
and it's huge. I mean, he, he's been a huge difference maker. He was, he's been a big part of the last three wins here for LSU. He's been huge, and you could argue he's the best player on the team. Like you just, you see him, and you go, "Wow!" Like that is an impact guy. That's a guy that takes over a ball game, and, and he did so again on Saturday. The two forced fumbles, multiple sacks, multiple tackles for a loss. The guy was an absolute fiend out there. Arkansas had no answer for him. And here's the thing. They needed him to play that way. I mean, this was a hard-fought 13-10 win, and they needed everything Harold Perkins gave them and more. Yeah, I mean, it was a really disappointing performance by the offense. Um, And you knew, you mentioned all the things, all the factors going into the game. But then when you see the early turnover from Jaden Daniels, you're like, okay, it, it really truly is going to be one of those days. Uh, big stop by the defense when Arkansas had a chance to go up 10 to nothing. I, you know, I don't know if, L, if LSU doesn't get that stop there inside the goal line and, and force uh, Arkansas from not even getting any points. I don't know if they win that game. I, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a step back offensively. Uh, LSU's offensive line struggled in this game. Arkansas had a good game plan. I mean, Coach Brian Kelly really tipped the cap to tipped his cap to Arkansas and what they did. And they finally, somebody finally figured out a way to slow down Jaden Daniels. And then, yeah, you, you get Harold uh, Perkins who just uh, literally takes over the game. And it almost didn't happen because he wasn't feeling well before the game. And um, Coach Kelly comparing it to uh, Michael Jordan's uh, flu game in the NBA Finals in 97 against the Utah Jazz, which Harold Perkins, of course, wasn't born at that time and didn't even know what Coach Kelly was referring to, which was kind of funny. Perkins was an absolute fiend. You know who else stood out to me was Wingo. He played extremely well, and that's a guy they didn't think was going to be a starter this year. But because of injuries, he's been thrust into more of a starter role for that front seven. What do you make of his progress in that role for the Tigers? Well, I've been saying it really all season long, you know, even going back to September, that he's been an unsung hero for this team. Because, uh, you know, losing Mason Smith early on in the season on during the first series and the first game, the feeling is, well, there goes that potential dominant defensive line that we were all talking about during the off season. And he has been absolutely fantastic. He, he's been steady. And at times he's been even more than steady. He's been really good. He's been an impact player. And to, you know, you always hear the phrase next man up. And that's, that's always a great phrase that coaches like to use, but a lot of times it really doesn't work out that way, <laughs> but here it did. I mean, it really truly what is, you know, next man up. Okay, Wingo, you get your chance, and he and he took advantage of it, and he's had himself a, a really good season. The passing attack was not there. Uh, the tackles, who we've praised all season long, the the freshmen, they struggled with Arkansas's pass rush. Uh, the, the veteran guys got the better of Will Campbell in this ball game, and he's been their best offensive lineman. I think that played a role in this. And Daniels was just off. He didn't have time. Yeah. He he took too many sacks and held on to the ball a little too long. Yet, they found the way to run the football effectively and did so yet again with Josh Williams, who was huge in this game, picked up big run after big run and scored the only touchdown in the ball game. 
What do you make of his out of nowhere just kind of development and just becoming what appears to me to be the guy now for LSU as we head towards the the back end of the season? They found their their number one running back. They certainly have. It's kind of Clyde Edwards, Elair Light, right? I mean, I don't think he's as good. He's not as good as Clyde was, especially in 2019. But he's kind of that guy, you know, the the smallest back that um, will make plays for you. Um, Not as explosive as as Clyde Edwards, Elair. He's not. He's not that kind of a guy. But man, he just he just gets it done, and he's really good. With uh, pass blocking, um, he, he's just, um, you know, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He could just do so many things for you. Uh, maybe nothing like truly great, but he does a lot of things really well. And he's been a, a huge bright spot in this offense. And he's a, he's a guy that you root for. And that whatever, that award that you have, where was that the Burlesworth Award or whatever? It's the first time I've ever heard of this award, by the way. Where uh, it goes to the guy who was started his college career as a walk-on and now is a scholarship player, a scholarship player, and is having the best season of the of uh, you know of, of all these other guys. I mean, I can't imagine him not winning this award. I mean, he's been he's been that good. We're talking with Jeff Palermo, co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. He's also the sports and news director for the Louisiana Radio Network. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud. They gut out a win. And I believe that's actually a, a, a good thing to be tested this way in a trap game. And they fi- find a way to win a game. I think that's going to help them with their focus in two weeks when they have to go to Texas A&M. Because that's another trap game. Because A&M cannot get to a bowl game this year. Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies are absolutely on fire right now for all the wrong reasons. But that's going to be a tough game in College Station, and it's going to be easy to look past them because the Tigers are now going to be gearing up for the SEC championship game the weekend after. How much of being tested in Arkansas can help them with that road trip to College Station? Well, it certainly should be a motivating factor for the offense to get back on track. And and I wouldn't dismiss uh, even this week, uh, Raymond, because – you know, here you are now. You're you, you've wrapped up the SEC West, but there's still something very important that they're playing for in these last two games. Is that is, if you lose one of these games, and you still win the SEC championship, I don't think they go to the college football playoff as a four-loss team. I mean, excuse me, as a three-loss team. So you got to figure out. You got to win these next two games, and um, you know. You just, you just. I mean, it was it was alarming to see how bad the offense played on Saturday. But they still figured out a way to win. Can they? You know, can they just? Was that just as Dennis Allen likes to say, a bad day at the office for the offense? Is it? it was it one of those things, or uh, is this a an offensive line that may be starting to wear down now? Um, you know, are these true freshmen kind of hitting a wall? Uh, you know, those are kind of things, you know, is, is you know, you, you didn't have Brian Thomas in this game, um, you know, just having that one less weapon, how much of a factor was that? So you just don't want any, you just want to go out, win these games. I don't know if you, they, they don't necessarily have to be, um, you know, great works of art, 
but just win these games. Make sure you're in the SEC championship game with two losses, and that way if you do win that game, uh, you're you know, more than assured a, 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 a spot in the college football playoff. All right, bud, we'll wrap it up with this. Give me your thoughts on what you're seeing on the hardwood from the men and the women for LSU. Well, the women um, have been spectacular, but they really haven't played anyone. I mean, scoring three games, three straight games of 100 points or more is um, pretty impressive. Uh, the men have been, eh, you know, they're just, they're, they're winning. It's, it's not, it's, it's nothing uh, too exciting. You can't get really all that fired up about it. Uh, you look at the competition, not all that great, but they've won their two games that they've played. Uh, Adam Miller looks like he's going to be a terrific scorer on this team, uh, but it, it kind of looks like a team that you would expect that is completely brand new, right? You know, just two returning guys from last year, an entirely new coaching staff, um, I guess other than Taz Mitchell. Um, and then, you know, all these new players, and you're, you're one of your top scorers hasn't played in 19 months. Um, till he finally played in the season opener last week. So uh, I, I think it's kind of looked like you would have thought, but uh, waiting, you know, let's wait and see when these teams, uh, when these uh, two teams start to face a, a little bit better competition. But uh, very impressive to see a, a, a women's basketball team score 100 in three straight games. Uh, it looks like they're not going to be hurting for scoring this season. Jeff. Appreciate you, Tom. As always, brother, enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy your week, bud. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. Sounds good, Raymond. Thanks. We got to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day and wrap up hour number two. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. What are the Saints besides being three and seven and playing awful football? Right now, 32% of you say they are Ditka bad. Not Jim Haslett bad. We're talking Mike Ditka bad. 25% of you say woof. Another 25% say awfully awful. And 18% just say they're just awful. Darren, the number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and Company, says someone once said, at least you're not a commander or Jets fan. Look how the tables have turned. <laughs> yeah. When you're worse than the Jets and the Commanders, you know you're having a season. A season you'd want to soon, soon forget. Because that's what it feels like it's come to. Hart on Twitter says, remember when the spread from Vegas was eight wins for the Saints this season and we all thought that was blasphemy? Yeah, boy, we were wrong. I'd be happy at this point to get even to eight. I don't think they get to eight. Doug says, mega woof. Texan in Acadiana says, could be worse. At least you have some of the best uniforms in the game. I'm off to Alabama for a mini vacation. Keep it groovy. Well, thank you, Texan in Acadiana. You told us to keep it groovy. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, man, we're going to talk high school football. Ryan Antoine, the man in charge of the Westgate Tigers. They won their first-round playoff game. They're gearing up for a second-round matchup. We'll talk to him to kick off things.
for our final hour of today's show. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. on the clock on this lovely, chilly November 14th morning here on RP3 and Company. We spent a lot of time this morning talking about college football. LSU guts out a win on the road, finds a way to win 13-10 over Arkansas. And then later in the day, as Alabama rallies to beat Ole Miss, That made LSU your SEC West Division champs. They're going to Atlanta to play for the conference championship game in year number one under Brian Kelly. See what happens when you have good coaching? See what happens to a program when you have quality coaching and the type of coaching that keeps guys accountable? I've said this over and over again. It's no offense to Coach O, but man, he he took his foot off the gas. He didn't keep guys accountable. And he lost the team. It's the same as it was 20 years ago or 40 years ago. We like to think coaching has changed. We like to think kids have changed. Society has maybe changed. There may be more distractions for kids. Their socio and economic backgrounds may be worse off or maybe more diverse than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. But I don't care what level of coaching you're at. Pee-wee, high school, college. When you're dealing with young men, teenagers, and young men in their early 20s, they need to be held accountable. And if you create a culture where they're held accountable and they're taught responsibility, they will thrive. And that's what LSU needed, desperately needed. And they have it now with the man in charge of that program. Brian Kelly has definitely turned things around. Make no bones about it. And speaking of accountability, speaking of preparing young men to go on to the next level and to get their degrees, is our next guest. He's won a state championship at Westgate High School. They won their opening opening round playoff game as well last weekend. And now they're gearing up for a second-round matchup. It's our privilege to welcome back to the program Ryan Antoine, the man in charge of the Westgate High School football program. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Hey, how's it going today? How's it going? Well, let's talk a little bit about it. You know, you guys were able to start off the playoffs with a victory. How does that feel, Coach? Oh, it feels good. I mean, it's, uh, I hate to say it that way, but, you know, we kind of got to that point where, you know, we expect to win, you know, you know, in, in the playoffs, especially early on for sure. So, 
uh, you know, it was, it was good to, you know, now it's time to, time to get guys back healthy. Uh, well, you know, we haven't played with with this type of team uh, with everybody kind of, you know, at full strength since about week four. Uh, so now our guys are kind of starting to get back going. And, you know, we, we've seen the fruits of that, you know, with the type of game that we played on Friday night. 35-14 win over Bell Chase. You guys are finally healthy now. Obviously, that's the that's the best time to have that happen. You know, when you have a team like you did this year, when you dealt with injuries and you're dealing with the fact that you guys are the defending champs, you know, that puts more pressure on you and everything like that. How do you navigate those waters with your kids, so to speak? Because you have to balance it, right? You have to be like, hey, yeah, we want to stay championship, but you know what? That was last season. This is a new season. And then you also can't use injuries as an excuse. You can't let your kids do that. So how do you balance all that? How do you navigate that? Uh, it's not easy, you know, because, you know, your kids get pulled a lot of different ways now. And one, you're getting everybody's best game. You know, like we tell our kids all the time, you know, that you're getting hunted, but the person that you have to hunt the most is yourself, you know, because yourself's going to tell you, all, you know, you've won it before or you, and that, that you went through certain things and, <laughs> and that, yeah, that you can take a playoff and do, you know, uh, not not go as hard as you're supposed to, and and that's where you know leadership and you know strong senior class has to make sure those those things those things are happening. So you know just just excited about the times. I mean it's 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 a totally different year, totally different type of team. So you know you got to focus a lot more. You know uh, like that we're playing with you know eight new guys on 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 offense and seven new guys on defense. You know so that those things are big. But the crazy part is and it's fun. You know when when you look at it the big picture because you see guys improving. You know every single play. And then you start realizing the type of depth that you built, you know, and we've, we've kind of getting to that point right now where we're realizing, you know, guys, we can be good for, you know, for a while now, you know, because guys have gotten a lot of playing time and you can plug a lot of guys around and they may be some babies, so to say, you know, when they're sophomores or they're their first year playing football, you know, we're just kind of starting to get better every single day. So now that's, that's kind of where we're at as a program, you know, just making sure that we sustain and making sure that we understand that, you know, we're not a flash in the pan. We're not an anomaly. We plan to be here for a while. Was there a moment in the season where you felt like maybe your team turned a corner? And I know I know you're the type of coach that does some of his best coaching after a loss, and you you know how to motivate your guys and build off of a defeat more so than a win. Was there a moment in the season where you felt like uh, your team really kind of turned a corner? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was the second half of um, the STM game. We were down 28-7. to seven. Uh, you know, and, and just struggling and, and felt like, you know, we were kind of giving up a lot of big plays, but, you know, felt like we can, you know, we can get back into this thing. And our, you know, our sophomore uh, quarterback, Jabari Antoine, uh, went to the team and he started talking to him. And that was big, you know, because you don't expect a lot of things out of, you know, out, out of a sophomore. And, you know, we, we kind of been playing that two quarterback system. We started early at quarterback fours and did well and then kind of got injured. So we had to go to Amaj Eugene. Amaj Eugene had a couple of good games. So, okay, okay, he's going to be the guy. And then, uh, you know, we kind of ran into some, some things where, you know, people were speaking this out with him. And so we went back to Jabari. So we're kind of going back and forth with that situation, trying to make it, a, you know, a two-headed monster, you know, and then Jabari just kind of said, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to take it, coach, and I got it. And, you know, and we just felt like that second half, we came out there and scored 28 unanswered points and made it a ball game. Ended up losing the game by, by six, I mean, by eight points. But uh, it, I think, like, you know, that game could have went either way because Derrick Latula went out on the two-yard line. And they called it a touchdown and then came back and called it a touchback. So I just felt like at that point in time, you know, we were putting points up, we were moving well, and I just felt like we were, we were coming together as a team. So, you know, even though it was a loss, you know, I felt like, you know, we, we turned the corner. So, 
and after that, you know, we've kind of been, you know, rolling. Jabari has been doing real well on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, getting Derek Williams back uh, this past week was big for us. And now guys are just flying around. You know, it's kind of like when Derek wasn't there, you know, you just felt like teams were doing things that they, that don't that we don't normally see. You know, and then now that he's back, it just felt like we just took a whole breath, you know, on defense because we were at, at one point in time, I think against LC, SCM, and Sterling, we were playing seven sophomores and three freshmen on defense. You know, you playing those type of teams that's three of the top teams in the state, you know, you're going to you're gonna get exposed. But I feel like, you know, we held our own, especially at times, and, and, and had chances to win all three of those games. So, you know, th- those are the things that, you know, that we I, I felt as a coach, you know, we turned the corner with and be able to play those type of quality teams in those type of atmospheres you know, it was big for us. So, you know, now where we at, I feel like, you know, we're in a good place. We're talking with Ryan Antoine. He's the head football coach of the Westgate High School Tigers. They won their opening round playoff matchup 35-14. They'll next take on number seven Slidell in the second round of the Division One non-select brackets. All right, Coach, you're a well-educated man. You coach. You've won a championship a state championship at that. So I need you to kind of break it down for me because I'm just a, I'm, I'm a big, dumb, bald dude. Uh, do you make any sense of the new playoff format that you guys are having to go through this year? That's a joke. Uh, you know, I tell everybody that, you know, that when they talk to me about it, when you make a decision like that, you know, week two of a season, you know, uh, you know, in the middle of a season, you know, that's and without anybody, you know, know what's going on or whatever, and you just decide to do something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's right. You know, I don't think it's right to the, you know, the, the coaches who have to go around here and prepare, and you know, all of a sudden, you no, know, you throw that type of curveball. Yes, we have to make adjustments, and to be honest with you, you know, the division stuff is not a bad idea. It's just the way you went about doing it. You know, uh, like I, said, I, I understand what, what was trying to be done, but I just feel like the way and, and how you go about doing. Like I said, this past week we played a four A team in um in Bell Chase. Now we got to go play a five A team in Slidell. Win that game, you have to play probably a 4A or 5A school in either East Ascension or Neville. So you're just going back and forth, bouncing around. Uh, if you want to come together, you know, let the principals, let the coaches and everybody vote vote on it and make sure that thing happens. But don't go in here in the middle of the season and try to tell somebody, you know, this is what's got to be done. I mean, our football and our basketball team are playing Division One ball. Our uh, baseball and our um, softball teams are playing Division Two. Uh, the numbers that they use aren't right because we have only 850 kids on our roster. The top team, Dutchtown, has 2,600. So you could put another five-year school between us and Dutchtown. You know, so I just feel like the numbers and those things are bad. And when you're looking at the coach with a battle of attrition, you know, when, when like say, I just said, we had to play seven sophomores and three freshmen at one point in time. Somebody goes down. Again, you're playing freshmen. You're getting you know, against five-year teams that may have 100 or 200 more, more guys than you. I just feel like at times, you know, it don't make sense. We could have worked on some things with Paul Ring. could have worked on some things without scheduling. You know, if you want to do that, have that conversation. Let us, let us decide that you want to do that. We're going to be a principal-driven organization. Let the principal decide to do those things. Don't make that decision in the middle of the season. And then all of a sudden now we got to deal with it. You know, if you want to do that, I'm okay with it. I'm all about coming together. Let's play. Let's put the best teams out there and let's, let's get it done. I mean, that's what it's all about anyway. That's what people want to see. Let's, let's do it. But don't go in there and force us to do it without uh, having, that, having that conversation. That's all. Come on. It should make the meetings in January that much more interesting. That, that, that's for sure. Uh, do you think, Coach, you've been doing this a long time, brother? Do you think this is a way of forcing, like you said, all about coming together? Do you think this is a kind of a roundabout way of getting the schools all back together in one kind of old school, you know, playoff format where there's only five classifications? Probably so. I just feel like you know, uh, and and I'm all for it. You know, I mean, that's 
how I grew up playing. I mean, that's what people, you know, want to see. You want to see the best teams play at the end of the year. You don't want to go around here and I'm not going to say have an asterisk on side your name or nothing, but you want to be able to, you know, go in there and be able to say, okay, I travel the road, you know, let's travel. I, I feel like I played the better teams and, you know, you want to feel like, you know, you, you were one of the best teams in the state, if not the best team in the state, when you win it, you don't want to have any doubts. You know, so I'm all for that. You know, and you want to see those type of matchups. People want to see, you know, the, the big teams play the big teams, you know, and, and have those big games. I mean, that's what that's what you live for as a coach. You know, at least I think, you know, and I mean, I feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, not everybody has those opportunities to get those things done. But I feel like if you want to try to do that, you know, make let's make sure that we have it and let's all come together with it. But don't force us to do it. Like, say, we can vote on something in January. Then you come back again if you don't like it in the, uh, in the summer or whatever and change it again or change it again in the middle of the season. You know, I mean, you think about basketball, think at all the sports. Basketball right now is all, you know, is all the divisions where we could go vote in January and split it all up and basketball be broke up again, you know, and, and right before their playoffs. It just doesn't make sense on the timing on how you want to do these things. You know, let us let us decide it, and whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. Wrapping up our conversation with Westgate High football coach Ron Antoine, he joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's talk about your next opponent because I know you and your staff have already broke down film and you started already doing your scouting report. You're taking on a Slidell team that's had a very good season. They're the number seven seed in the bracket, and they won their first round game 55-22. What stands out to you on tape when you watch the other Tigers play? Oh, I mean, they, they, they know how to move the ball well, and they know, they know how to put up a lot of points. Uh, like I said, quarterback throws the ball around a lot, uh, has a pretty good receiver that goes out there and does some things. He's very explosive. Also, have a very explosive running running back. Uh, and then, like I said, defense, they'll, they'll get a lot of pressure on you. So, you, we definitely got to be ready to go. Uh, like I said, they, they won eight ball games. They're playing at home. They'll be very confident. You know, and it's, it's some, you know, and on the road in the playoffs, you got to play well. You know, you got to play the elements. You got to make sure that you're playing mistake free football and you got to execute and you got to make, you know, and make plays. You got to win the turnover battle and you got to win a field position battle. So, those are the things that we will be emphasizing all week, you know, just making sure that we focus on every play and just give it everything that we got. Coach, always appreciate your time, brother. You're always so gracious with it. Keep up the tremendous work. Congrats on the first-round playoff victory, and best of luck this Friday in Slidell. Hopefully you guys will be able to punch your ticket to the quarterfinals, but thank you so much. All right, thank you, guys. we got to take a timeout here on RP3 and Company. When we come back, we're going to talk with McNeese Cowboys. That's right. They got themselves a road victory over the weekend, have now won two straight, and looking to end the season with three straight this coming weekend when they host Lamar in their rivalry game, the Border War. We'll talk all things pokes. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2-4-9-5-6-7-8. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look 
If you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, privacy, chain link, really doesn't matter. Pool, in ground, above ground, does not matter. Any reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. So what happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple. It's free of charge. And guess what? It's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service. And to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, remind you, call 811 and know what's below before you dig. McNeese Cowboys got their first road win of the season, 21-10 over Houston Christian University, formerly known as Houston Baptist. Went in there and took down the fighting CBS Huskies. And Deontay McMahon, man, he continues to have that special season. He eclipsed 1,000-yard rushing on the season as he racked up 197 yards. He has just hit another gear in the back half of the season. Marcus McElroy added 136 yards and two touchdowns as McNeese picked up its first Southland Conference victory of the season, its second straight win, and also its first road win of the season. After the struggles, you're starting to see Gary Goff's impact on this program. You're starting to see this team get confidence and build up some momentum. They now have three wins on the season. They've won two in a row. They've won their first road game. They've won their first conference game. And they'll look to win it three in a row in their fourth win overall this rebuilding season as they welcome in Lamar Saturday night to the whole their border war rivalry game. It should be a good one as that'll be the regular season finale. Offensively, McNeese, man, 400 yards, 399 to be exact but 400 yards of offense and 346 of that came on the ground. Just mauled Houston Christian with the running attack. Had no answer for it. They only had to throw for 53 yards through the air as they kept the Huskies in check. As well as McNeese's defense gave up only 108 yards on the ground. 250 total for the game, well under 300. Anytime you do that, you're going to give yourself an opportunity to win the ball game. And McMahon becomes the first running back since 2015 to rush for 1,000 yards in a season, and he'll head into Saturday's finale with 1,169 yards on the season. He also has more than 2,000 now in his career, moving him into 16th place on the school's all-time career list. And also got to give a little love here to Ryan Roberts, the quarterback. He was making his first start. Remember, they've had a slew of injuries at the quarterback spot. They had to go to the freshman Roberts, the former Lafayette Christian Academy star. He, in his first start, on the road, 7 of 19 for 53 yards. He did have three picks. A bit of a rough go of it there as he's going through his growing pains. But two of those picks were against the heavy wind. And one hit a Cowboy wide receiver 
in his hands. So, not a great day passing, but they did need it because they were able to use the power run game as McNeese wins their second straight game, their first road win of the season, their first conference win of the season, and they'll look to put an explanation point on this season. Saturday night inside the hole when Lamar comes to town making the short trip from Beaumont, Texas. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy, Doug, to the show. Doug, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm good this morning, Ray. Uh, Ray, I want to talk a little LSU uh, uh, this morning, buddy. Look, Ray, it wasn't all the offensive line that gave up them sacks and stuff. A lot of it had to do with Jay, uh, Daniel. Uh, he was just holding on to that ball just way too long. I mean, he had a good game against Alabama or Florida. I went back on the Internet and watched the game a couple of times, you know, where I could stop the play and back it up. He had receivers open, Ray, for this Arkansas game. And he's looking right at them. And I'm, I'm, I couldn't understand that. I even counted 1,001, 1,002. It was it was crazy, Ray. I don't know what it is with this guy. He can have a good game and then just lay an egg, you know. The, the next game, he's got he's got to get better. These coaches need to work with him. Maybe he needs a therapist. Or well, something. Doug, Doug, Doug. To, okay, so but to be fair, you, you guys are eight and two with him as a starting quarterback. Well, yeah. Oh, okay, no so I mean, so, mostly on his legs, right? Mostly on his legs. Well, he's had look. He, he's had some look. Did he have a bad game Saturday? Yes, absolutely. Did he look like oh, he did man. against Florida State? Yes, but he is what he is. And, and what I mean by that is, this is a guy that was a multiple year starter. He transferred in from Arizona State. He look. He is what he is. Right, so right, right. I, I get uh, that, and, and and the coaches have worked with him, Doug, but they've done a pretty good job with him. He had a bad game Saturday. I'm not going to defend him on that. He he was not good. He held on to the ball way too oh, long. He no, missed his wide receivers. Yeah. Okay, I get all yeah. that, but he looked really good the week before, right? So he, you're going to have inconsistencies better, with him. They better work with him, right? Because, look, when they meet up with Georgia, <laughs> you think Alabama was a tough game? Uh Georgia's going to be bad, too. Well, Doug, look, there's only so much. Good. But, but, Doug, there's only so much you're going to work with a guy at this point of the season, right? Well, that's – I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it's November 14th, bud. There's there's not – like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's not yeah, going to be that much you're going yeah. to be able to do with him. We'll take what we got, Ray. I mean, we got the West, you know, and, and Coach Kelly's first season. I mean, he's done a great job. He really has. So, And, and the assistants, too. His assistant done a great job, too. I, I'm not denying none of that, Ray. You know, I, I'm thankful for what we got this year. And, and Do you want to see – Doug, let me ask you, you this. Know? Let me ask you this, brother. There's there's some chatter out there, especially now that he's got an NIL deal from Gordon McKernan. There's a good possibility that Jane Daniels would want to come back for another season. Uh, would you want him back for another season and see what he can do uh, under another offseason under Brian Kelly and his staff? Ray, I was thinking about that this morning. Only if he works with the receivers on the offseason, the same way Joe Burrow did. Okay. You know, if he can work with the receivers, get a, get in, get together with them, get a rapport, you know, let them run pass routes like, like Joe Burrow did, I'm okay with it. I'll be okay with it, you know. I, I really would. I got that, you, brother. That's the, only, that's the only way I would I would say, yeah. But you, you know? wouldn't be – You you what you're telling me is – you wouldn't be too terribly upset if he decided to try his hand at the NFL and, and not come back another season. Is that what you're telling me? 
Well, yeah, in a way, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I got you, brother. I appreciate hey, Ray, the phone call, man. Now this, morning, this morning I got to go to – hey, Ray, I got to go to church. I got to cleanse myself for rooting for Alabama. <laughs> Hey, well, good luck with that, brother. Enjoy your day, my friend. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, LSU fans had to root for Alabama. They didn't feel too good about that. But the tie did in the favor. Look, I understand there's some trepidation about Jaden. It was a little alarming how bad he was in that game. I get that. But I, I think you're going to see a bounce-back game from from him. And, and I also think they figured out how to run the football in the last few weeks, too, haven't they? Last three, four games, they figured out how to run the football effectively. And the Williams kid, he's their guy. I think you're going to lean on the running attack. we got to take a timeout. When we return, Big Easy Blitz, Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast joins us. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. They give the Camara, breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone, touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Ross Jackson from the Locked On Saints podcast joins us now. We've been trying to keep things positive all morning. Talked LSU, talked McNeese football, getting wins, talked high school football, Astros free agency, Dustin the Diamond Poirier winning his fight against Chandler on Saturday night at MSG where he did the rear choke hold for the win in the third round. Lots of positivity going around for Southwest Louisiana. And then Sunday arrived for the New Orleans Saints. Ross... Sum it up for us, bud. Well, I can tell you that um, in terms of maintaining positivity, Saints fans were positively treated to a pretty bad game yesterday. Um, that's kind of the best positivity that I can give you at the moment. All right. I, I want to start. Look, uh, uh, everyone wants to start with offense and the quarterback and the offensive line, and we can mm-hmm. do all that. I, I want to start with the defense. The thing that has stunned me the most – about this season is how bad the defense has played week in and week out. A team that was routinely one of the best run defenses in the entire league is a shell of itself. We go one week with them being a little bit better at tackling to the next week, them not being in position, them not tackling well. I don't see effort. I don't see passion. I don't see energy. And I thought the defense was going to lead this team and yet it's been the exact opposite. Week in, week out, the defense has been lost. Why is that? Well, I think some of it is the, the positions that they're being put in. Um, short fields in terms of turnovers, things like that. But also, I mean, look at this game yesterday. The Steelers out-possessed the New Orleans Saints offense by 17 minutes and 52 seconds. By more, This is the second straight week, by the way, yep. that the opposing team has possessed the ball for more than a quarter than what the New Orleans Saints did. And I mean a quarter in terms of like playing time on the clock. And they ran the ball 43 times, the Pittsburgh Steelers did uh, yesterday, 217 yards. They averaged five yards on the ground per carry. It's tough when you're a defense that I thought started this game out pretty well. I mean, you saw some pretty good games and some pretty good early uh, displays from guys like Chris Harris Jr. You saw some really nice stuff from Cade Nellis throughout the game. 
but then you could just see the defense getting worn down and worn down and worn down throughout the game. And some of that has to do, like some of that happens when you're out on the field for, um, you know, 17 minutes longer than, than your offense, when you're on the field for nearly 80 plays, the Steelers ran 79 plays in this game. So that factors into it a bit too. But even beyond that, the New Orleans Saints defensive line, particularly in the run game, hasn't been getting the push that we're used to seeing them get. And I don't just mean like immediate, you know, penetration through the defensive, through the offensive line. I also mean that oftentimes the Saints offense, defensive line is getting pushed back to one, two, three yards off the line of scrimmage, meaning that running backs are getting one, two, three clean yards before they even break contact at any point. And so I think that's been a big piece of it too, is losing at the point of attack. They're losing at the point of attack, and you're right. The up front is the thing that has surprised me more than anything. Now, yesterday, they get a good pass rush, right? They sat Kenny Pickett, what, six times? So yep. they were able to rush the passer really well. They just struggled against the run and uh, couldn't get Pittsburgh off the field on third down, and that's been an issue all season long as well, right? Yeah, that's been an issue for them throughout this season. And the other piece of it, too, is that they also surrendered five first downs with penalty. Oh. Um, ten different penalties in this game and gave them a fresh set of downs in half of those. Uh, just for context, the Steelers committed only three penalties in the game or were called for only three penalties in the game. And so, you know, that, that again makes it even tougher because you're staying on the field for extended periods of time. You're working down into down and distance and you're, you know, creating these moments where you're, you're about to get off the field and then a penalty happens and all of a sudden you're, you're right back out there with a fresh set of downs. Um, and then on the flip side of that, the Saints, so we mentioned the Saints defense giving up uh, third downs, not being able to get off the field, nine of 17 um, on the day, so 53% there. Meanwhile, on the offensive side of the Saints, only converted three third downs despite 12 opportunities, so 25% of the time. So, again, it's not staying on the field on one side, and it's, having to, and it's not being able to get off the field on the other side. Let's talk about the other side. Offensive line banged up, three starters out for this ball game. They struggled with protection. They struggled to do anything. But Dalton struggled too, right? So uh, how would you assess what you saw from the offense? Yeah, look, you know, we shouldn't pretend that having you know three offensive linemen at one point down in this game doesn't have an impact. But, uh, you know, even in moments to where Andy Dalton was given time and he had opportunities and he, you know, didn't have the pressure directly, you know, uh, in his face, he, there were still – passes that were thrown behind or passes that were thrown late or passes that were passed up on that he didn't go for, things like that. You, know, you look in the run game as well, even with the um, you know opportunity for lead blockers, those lead blockers, there was a, a moment where Taysom Hill was running to the right side of the defense and he had uh, Adam Prentice and a pulling offensive lineman in front of him and both of them missed the block on the one edge defender that was there. And that's the guy that ended up making the play and making the tackle. And so, you know, I think it's just a lack of execution over on the offensive side as well. And, you know, uh, look, I don't want to excuse anything based on, um, you know, what you see from, you know, injuries and things like that. Every team deals with injuries, but I know that it's been, you know, a little bit more strange for the New Orleans Saints in terms of how many um, they've had to deal with throughout the season. But you're talking about eight pressures that were given up in this game. 
that wasn't the issue for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, if you look at Andy Dalton just in terms of his passing against pressure in this game, when he was when he had pressure, um, you know, he only had an eleven point one passer rating, but that was only ten dropbacks in this game. Otherwise, he was kept clean, but when he was kept clean, still only an 86.2 passer rating. With pressure or without pressure, the Saints just couldn't produce on the offensive side. Why does this team hate getting the ball in their playmakers' hands? And I say that half-jokingly, and I understand the ebbs and the flow of the game dictate things at times, Ross. I totally understand that. But your two best ways of winning ball games, and you've proven it earlier in the year, is getting the ball in Taysom Hill's hand, is getting the ball in Alvin Kamara's hands. And the last few weeks, they haven't done that. And I know, once again, ebbs and flows of the game, and they try to take them out of it. But but how does Taysom Hill not even target it in this ballgame? Explain that to me. Yeah, that uh, I wish I could. I mean, that's one of the things that's that's so challenging to look at throughout this season is you kind of pulled Taysom Hill from the quarterback conversation, which I don't think was a bad choice. But you did it in under this guise that he was going to be this, you know, multifaceted weapon that he was going to be you know, be a tight end, be a little bit more involved in the passing game, get him caught up on blocking and things like that. But he was going to be a part of the passing game, and that he was still going to take snaps at quarterback and throw passes, things like that. Like that was never really a secret. But we haven't seen that. I mean, he's been targeted what five times, six times so far this season, and that's it in the passing game. And then, you know, last week the Saints didn't run a single quarterback power. This week they ran maybe a couple and then kind of abandoned it. And you can't give yourself a puncher's chance if you're not willing to swing. So you have to at least give yourself the opportunity to see these break. I mean, even when you look at the third and ones over the course of the game against Seattle, you had one that went for four yards, you had one that went for five yards, then you had one that went for 60 yards. Just because they don't go for 60 yards every single time doesn't mean that it's not going to work. And so if you know that you have these playmakers who you can get the ball in the hands of, particularly, um, you know, both of these guys as well, you can get involved in the passing game. That's what effectively made the Saints game against the Raiders with getting Alvin Kamara involved in the passing game. But then you don't even take those opportunities. Uh, It's hard to understand why. And, 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 you know, just like you mentioned, like ebbs and flows, sometimes you call those plays and things aren't there, but it doesn't mean then that you stop calling the plays. Like, you still, if that's going to be your identity, then that's your identity, and you're going to try to continue to build your, your game around that. But I think that's one of the biggest issues with the Saints this season is they haven't had an identity. We're talking with Ross Jackson. He, is, uh, he has an identity. He's one of the best to talk about New Orleans Saints football in the country. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud. You keep going with Andy Dalton, or do you finally put in a healthy Jameis Winston who's just sitting there not doing anything? <laughs> I can't see how. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm laughing more so at the way that you phrased the question, but I, I can't see how you move go forward with Andy Dalton uh, at, at this point, barring Jameis Winston not being healthy. And listen, I, I don't think you put in Andy Dalton. I mean, excuse me, I don't think you put in Jameis Winston and all of a sudden your season turns around and you're a playoff team. I, I don't think that that's a reality. But I do think that you owe it to this team and to this roster of players to give them the best chance to go out on the field and win on a game-by-game basis because that's really got to be their focus. You know, I spoke with Jarvis Landry yesterday and was talking about, you know, the message for the team. And part of that message is that you can't look at the rest of the NFC South anymore and say, oh, we're still within striking distance of a playoff. 
uh, appearance or anything like that. Like, like you have to win games in order to be that team. And right now, the, the Saints are not that team. They're not winning games. And so at this point, you know what's not working. And a lot of what's not working is, isn't working with Andy Dalton under center. I mean, the, the whole point of putting Andy Dalton out there was because you know, the offense was producing and the offense was efficient and the offense was putting points on the board. But what kind of got glazed over there is that it took two superhuman performances. You had a four-touchdown game by Taysom Hill against Seattle for that win. You had a three-touchdown game by Alvin Kamara in order to seal that win. So the only game in which we've really seen Andy Dalton put points on the board was the Arizona Cardinals game, which is the same one to where he threw three interceptions on three straight possessions at the bottom of the first half and put points on Arizona Cardinals board uh, in the meanwhile, with two, two of those being pick sixes. So I don't see how you can continue to move forward with Andy Dalton if Jameis Winston is indeed healthy enough to be out there. I think you have to go with him. Yeah, the whole narrative is, well, Jameis is a turnover machine. You had to go to, you know, with Andy once he got, right. he got hurt. Well, Andy Dalton's been nothing but a turnover machine himself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're not really benefiting anywhere there. The only thing that you're doing is giving yourself a lower ceiling. Um, you know, you've got Andy Dalton here who's got, yeah, 11 touchdown passes, but again, a lot of those being uh, more so the players and what they do with the ball in their hands and in a couple of, I mean, look, Juwan Johnson's had a, uh, had four really nice weeks here. He's got four touchdowns over the course of four weeks, touchdowns in three games there. Uh, but he's also got seven interceptions on the season, and you know, we haven't seen him really walk out of a game unscathed, right? Because there's also turnover-worthy plays that don't end up being interceptions, all of those things. So, I don't know how you continue to how you can continue to make the argument in favor of Andy Dalton being the starting quarterback in New Orleans at this point. Do you believe Dennis Allen's actually going to make that decision, though? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, oh. we, you know, we ask, we ask, and 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 you know, he said that. You know, he, I know you're, I know everybody wants answers, but you know, the game just wrapped up, and we're going to go. We're going to take a look at all of our all of our options, things like that. I mean, look, you know, Andy Dalton's seat is hot right now. Um, Dennis Allen's could be hot going into 2023, right? You know, uh, it's it's very very unlikely you see a team move on from a first year head coach in the middle of their first year. That that's that's bad organization type stuff. Um, that's but, you that's know, Raiders look, stuff there, it. bud. That's Raiders stuff there. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so you know, you, you're not going to see that. But I, I do think that there's a reality here in which the Saints can at least, would at least revisit the conversation in terms of where they want to move going into 2023. And so if Dennis Allen wants to be a part of that equation, he's got to start winning games. And if you can't do it with Andy Dalton, then you have to at least at least show some type of willingness to um, change the course and try to, to right the ship. And, and again, I don't think that going to James Winston makes this team a playoff team all of a sudden, but you got to do something here to give these guys an opportunity to go out there and win at least on a weekly basis. So you think they're going to keep DA, they're not going to make a move there. I guess my bigger question to you is now that you've seen this team play to this point, do you have any confidence whatsoever that this team can win say more than six games uh i mean they've won what three through the first 10 so i mean it would be it would be tough to 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 map it out i mean i think you might have a chance next week against the rams who are another team that's just kind of a shell of themselves and then you know bad injury to, to cooper cup really unfortunate injury there uh, you know, that's a game that maybe they can they can win, but can you really pick out two more wins before the end of the season in the last seven games? I mean, you know, maybe you get lucky and there's some starters that end up getting rested toward the end of the season for some of the other teams, or, you know, you got the Carolina Panthers to end who are doing everything that they can.
and to not even field a roster at this point. But and you already so, lost to the uh, Panthers. They already lost right, to but the they Panthers. They also lost to that team, right? So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I can confidently sit here and say, yeah, this team wins six games before the season is over. Oh, Ross, you just gave negative news, but did so in a positive I fashion. Know. Thank you, bud. I know it's 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 not it's not like it's it's not my usual thing, but I mean, you know, it's, it just goes to show that this is a a very very different situation this New Orleans Saints team is in. Uh, from the one that we've seen in the last decade and a half, and it's a dire one that, um, you know, with with no dire measures of of possible improvement left to make, right? Like, there's not a big wide swathing anything that can be done at this point with the trade deadline having passed. Um, you know, it's not like you can go to free agency at this point to solve your quarterback problem or anything. So, I mean, the outlook is the outlook uh, at this point, and there are some good things to take away when you when you start to look at okay, what can this team look like in 2023? Because their their roster management is something that is basically like locked in certain guys and things like that. And so there's there's some good things to see there, but it, but none of that is relevant on a week to week basis of trying to win games right now, right? Like that that's the right. that's where the, the the bleak outlook comes from, brother. Try to enjoy your week, and hopefully you can enjoy Sunday's game, right, against the Rams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, no matter no matter what, like, I got the best job in the world. We got the best job in the world. We get to talk about sports. We get to go to these games, all this stuff. So, you know, all of it's still enjoyable. So no matter what, like, I'm having a good time, and the show's going to have a good time, too. So we're, we're all good. <laughs> Brother, appreciate your time, as always, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Absolute pleasure, buddy. Thanks for having me. It's Ross Jackson from the Locked On Saints podcast joining us here on RP3 and Company. Yeah, he, he just said he, he said what it is. It is what it is. It just is what it is. The Saints aren't a very good football team. Plain and simple. We're going to take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show, finalize the poll question of the day, and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests, Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio, Ryan Antoine, Westgate High School football coach, and of course, Ross Jackson from the Locked On Saints podcast. Our poll question of the day, we asked you, what are the Saints right now? 31% of you say they are Ditka bad. 26% say they're awfully awful. 24% say woof. And 19% say they're just awful. Simply put, awful. I think there's not a wrong answer in the bunch. <laughs> I'm just going to go out and say, not a wrong answer in the entire bunch. Thanks to all who voted on our poll question of the day. We appreciate you. For the intern extraordinaire and hoodie-wearing superstar, Moses Campos, the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, who finds loopholes in the contract with her soon-to-be husband. Let me know how that works out for you. I'm Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and a non-glorious Monday morning edition of Footnotes is up next right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.